it's always an immense privilege. And uh, in the same relation, it's a good and a big responsibility to be here. My prayer now is that God can have mercy of me, mercy of us, and bless us in this time. This morning we were talking, myself and Claudia at home, and she was looking at me while I was giving my last, or one of my last readings in what we prepare for this morning. And uh, she just asked me, what do you think about this guy, those guys in the past? Those ones that lived just after Jesus resurrected, and all the things that happened in the first century. Do you think that they were so nervous as you are before sharing the word of God? It's a good thing to think. Yes, I don't think they were so nervous as I am now. And always when we need to be before people to share the word of God. It's a good responsibility. And again, we need to lay, we need to rest in God's mercy and love. I'm pretending, I'm intending to, not pretending, I always change this word, but I'm intending to speak about love. Love. Love that is costly, love that is kind, love that is generous, love that wins. This is our point for the next four weeks. The world and humanity have been going through a difficult time in their history. Pain, suffering, death, relativism, and so many opinions in relation to moral values. In times like this, times like this that we live in, talking about love is very difficult due to countless different concepts that exist and therefore different expectations and also different actions. Love so presented in songs and poetry, become an expression almost devalued and superficial if we do not understand its true meaning. Since the beginning of this year, we have been talking about something new in our lives, about following Jesus for a life full of peace that honors and glorifies the eternal God. We have been talking about maturing and going further in our faith by putting into practice what his word teaches us. In all these aspects, we find Jesus as our example and his love, the perfect love, the love of God himself as a reference for our lives. Without this love, we will not be able to go on. Based on one of our verses of the year, which says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13, 34, and 35. I have been praying and working alongside, alongside Alan Barnes to bring in this sermon series that we believe God wants to us, has to us, and wants us as a church 
to be and to live in this moment. Not only as a church, as a community, but individually. Every one of us. Our challenge in these four sermons through the book of Ruth is to share the wonderful love of God and his providence in Jesus Christ to redeem, to rescue the ones who suffer for insisting on turning away from him, but who seek rest for their own lives. To share how that love is effective in our lives and leads us to reflect this same love to those around us. The verse tells us that Christian love is different to love that the world knows. Can we say that about our love for one another at NCBC, at our church? Do people looking in from outside see something that shows we are disciples of Jesus Christ? In a way, we demonstrate love to one another. We hope over the next few weeks to consider our response to Jesus' love and how that impacts on our love for one another. Are you open to this? Are you ready to think about your life in response of Jesus' love? Are you ready for this journey with us? The book of Ruth, which at first glance seems more like a simple romance that tells us a love story, in fact, shows us how much this story applies to our days, to our lives. How much this story relations with us, even with our understanding of love of God, demonstrated and personified in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Redeemer. A book that tells us the story of people like us, fragile and with problems like ours, who go through tragedies and difficult times, with unstable feelings like ours, and most of the time limited in understanding the way God acts and demonstrates how much he loves us. It's not easy to understand God's love. A book that brings us, despite our, our, our limitations, a message of hope. Hope in the fulfillment of the promises of a God who keeps everything his promises, he promises, and has done so until now. Hope in that unique love Agape, or agape, God's love. The Greek expression for the kind of love that is not so vain, that not goes everywhere, in every place, or in everyone. It's the perfect love. Love that doesn't want nothing, but wants to give and to show how much different we can be. As I said, the love of God, which has its personification in Jesus. God is love. Jesus 
is love. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to Corinthians in chapter 13 of his first letter, shows us the characteristics of this love. Perfect love, as I said, love agape, love of God in Jesus Christ. The perfect love. Do you fit in this love? Can you understand this love? Let's think a bit about this. How do we respond to God's love? I will ask Elizabeth to read the test for us in this moment. Hello again. Um, I'm reading from Ruth, chapter 1, up until verse 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. 
When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. This is the word of God, and I hope that he can speak to our hearts. A little contest to better understand our reading here. In the Bible, the book of Judges, which is located just before the book of Ruth, ends with the following expression. There was no king in Israel, and each one did what seemed right in their eyes. It's the verse 25 of the chapter 21. The story told in the book of Ruth takes place at a time of instability in the nation of Israel. Within this reality mentioned in the last verse of the book of Judges and connected by the first verse of the book of Ruth at the time when the judges wrote, as we read. There is no king in that moment. There is no real relationship of dependence on God, the God who led Israel, his people, to the promised land. Each man leads his life as he sees fit and for his own glory. There is a legalistic and superficial religiosity, but not a walk with God, as was expected of those people. If we look at our days and the society around us in a very general and global way, is there any similarity here? Something that we can see today happening in our days, outside and inside the churches? In addition to this situation, the test we read begins with the terrible information that there was a famine in Israel. It wasn't the first, or would it be, nor would it be the last. A man, Elimelech, decides to leave the country in search of a solution for that problem, together with his wife and sons and two sons. Like thousands in our days who do the same thing for the same or other reasons, but with challenges as difficult as theirs. They leave Bethlehem, the house of the bread, that now had no bread, and go to Moab, a neighboring country, not very far from that, in the other side of the Dead Sea in the Palestine. The people in that country were the descendants of Moab, Lot's son. Lot, who was Abraham's nephew. We have a family history here. Moving to that place was an unexpectable attitude for a Jew, a Jew, because the Moabites were cursed for the way they resisted to the people, to the Israel, when they moved from the Egypt to Canaan, the promised land they were now. Deuteronomy 23, 3-4 tells us this. Reality that will be transformed by the Lord's love and his mercy, as we will see in this history. But the moment in Israel, that moment, as we have already said, did not favor faith or hope in what God could do 
or even in obedience to his law. All circumstances, religious, social, and economic, shaking the structures of those who should wait on the Lord, who had already helped them so many times in the past. Elimelech and his family will not only live in that land, but their sons will marry Moabite women, something that the people of Israel should not do according to what they received from God through the law. Again, Deuteronomy 7, 3, 4 tells this. But as we have already seen, each one did what seemed right in their eyes. They were not very much concerned with God's word or God's guidance. As we read, times goes by, time goes by, and Limelech dies. And Naomi is a widow now. Despite the loss of her husband, her sons are his safety. In a society where having sons were the guarantee, the guarantee of care in old age, especially among the people of Israel, where honoring father and mother was such a serious command. Having children was a demonstration of God's blessing, especially if they were men. Time continues to pass, and 10 years after they arrived in that land, Naomi's two sons died, leaving their wives widowed and childless. Yes, in 10 years, they had no children. Now, Orpah and Ruth are also widows. And so, Naomi also without children. So much tragedy, so much pain, so much suffering. What to do now? What does logic and reason guide us to do in a situation like this? How would those three women survive? You may be asking, <laughs> didn't you say you were going to talk about love of God? So far, I've only heard a boring story of disobedient people who suffer all the time and who don't know what to do with their lives. In fact, does this sound familiar to you? Does the history change very much since then? I wonder how much this story so far fits into lives that may be very close to us or even among us. Things start to change from verse 6 on the test we read. After several years without any change in the situation of Israel, God came to help his people. The famine ended. This is the first time the name of the Lord appears in the text we read. And yes, that was the answer for Naomi. I will return to my land. I will return to my people, to the safety of the law, who my God, of my God, that helps the widows. It was logical, the best thing to do for Naomi. However, for her daughters-in-law, the situation was different. For them, 
still young, it was better to stay in their own country, return to their parents, to their biological mothers, to start life again. Naomi knew exactly what it was like to be an immigrant. Living in a country that is not your own is often not easy, especially in that type of society. Like a mother who wishes the best for her daughters, it is with this feeling that Naomi's guides, Naomi guides her daughters-in-law and cries out for them the blessing of God, the God of Israel, the Lord Yahweh. Let's read again the verse 8. They said exactly what Naomi said. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown your dead and to me. The blessing of God. The word we have in our English translation is kindness in the NIV that I have here. Brings the original Hebrew hesed which also takes on the meaning of benevolence, kindness, as I said, compassion and mercy, and even, and most importantly, important, a practical expression of love for the language. The love of God, very different from the word love in Hebrew, habab, which is much more generic. Use it for many kinds of love, in many attitudes in our lives. Naomi recognizes the faithfulness and the way those women had been good wives and good doctors-in-law and cries out the Lord to bless them, to reward them with his blessing, including a new marriage, as we can see in verse 9. Those doctors-in-law who were already walking beside Naomi do not accept those words, the word of farewell, of goodbye, and the affectionate kiss from Naomi. They wept and are determined, determined to continue their journey. Why? Why would they follow Naomi? Any feeling of obligation or debt? Any loss? that were imposed on them? I don't think so. I believe that the relationship developed in those years together generated respect, affection, admiration, and love from both sides. The test doesn't tell us, but by the reaction of the disposition of these daughters-in-law, Naomi was a loved a really loved mother-in-law or beloved who loved them as well. Exactly because she loves them, Naomi insists that they should return. There was no hope for them with an elderly widow in a nation older than theirs where all the odds would be against them 
there was no much future for them with Naomi. The logical action and attitude was to stay in their own country and start life again. Orpah thinks again and accepts his mother's law argument, leaving her with a kiss, say goodbye, and left her. That's what the test tells us in the verse 14. But Ruth reacts differently. Ruth clung to Naomi. Good expression. Clung to Naomi. And again, coming to the Hebrew, because this test was written originally in Hebrew, the term used here to, to cling, davak, is the same that is used in Genesis 2.24. When the man is ordered to leave his house and to be one with his wife, with the woman, become faithful to one another as one flesh, marriage commitment, faithfulness. They get united with this word, davak. Naomi told Ruth that she could not be a spouse again in that situation. But she, Ruth, was not concerned about a new marriage. She was concerned to look after Naomi because of love. Ruth decides not to take the easy option and go back to her parents' house, in her own country, with her own gods, but to stay with Naomi, follow her, look after her. Ruth takes a step that few would take. Her answer in verse 16 and 17 is a speech of complete commitment to Naomi, a declaration of selflessness of her own life in any plan or project she could have in exchange for a total dedication to the care of her mother-in-law. This is radical. This is 100%. This is love. And this is the reason it's so difficult to speak about love, because how often we can see this kind of attitude. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And even more, Ruth recognizes that that moment was a commitment before the God of Naomi, whom she now calls Lord. May the Lord deal with me if I leave you for any reason other than death. It's a real commitment of life before God. Does this kind of love come at a cost or not? Ruth shows us that yes, true love costs. True love is costly. For her, it was costly to leave her land, 
to leave the possibility of returning to the safe place, her parents' house, to leave her people, her culture, to leave her gods, the religion, the traditions he had, she had. She had no heard the new commandment from Jesus as we did or did not know his example and model to follow. She didn't know Jesus. But she had probably heard from Naomi about the God who taught her to love her neighbor as herself. In my eyes, Ruth understood what that means. A clear understanding that giving is more important than receiving especially when we understand how much we have already received. Yes, love is costly. Loving requires giving, giving our lives, often the death of ourselves, of our ego, of what we think we achieved by our own strength. Do you think love have a cost to God? Listen, John 3.16, one of the most known verses of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his, own, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He gave his one and only Son. That was the cost. Jesus was the cost. Because God loves us. Did love have a, have a cost to Jesus? Do you think? He said, Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lays down his life for the sheep. This was the cost. His life. Jesus gave his life for us. Because he loves us. Not in the past, but now, in the present. He loves us. And what must be the cost to us? Please read with me Paul's word, words when he writes to the Philippians in the chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And more. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this.
and John reaffirms this expression from Jesus, telling us that, that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 of John 3, 16. This is the cost we have before us. Because Jesus wants us to love one another in the way he loves us. How far these statements looks from you and me. How far this kind of love is from our lives. It will be impossible to love anyone else with the love of Jesus if we do not love himself first with our lives. If we don't understand that love as I have loved you, if we don't give ourselves totally to him, to Jesus, to God, we will never be able to love others in the way the Lord Jesus expects us to love. What is the most valuable thing you have in your life? What cost are you willing to let it go for love? Love the Lord, love Jesus, love the one who is at your side. So often in our lives, love can come in our own terms. We, walk, we talked at the beginning about this series making a difference in our lives. In a difference of our love for others as a response to Jesus' love in our lives. About doing something that may be costly outside of our normal commitments. Each week in the series, we will set a challenge those who knows Alan knows how much he likes challenges. So we have a challenge. This week, something for you to pray, or every week, something for you to pray about, but more importantly, to do something about. Something that will have a positive impact on the others as a demonstration of love. Not just a task to achieve or to accomplish, but something that comes from your heart. Something that can come from this fighting with ourselves. This week's challenge, this week's challenge is to contact somebody that you wouldn't normally make contact with. Just to show that you care and love them. Maybe a telephone call, a catch-up. Ask if they're or any needs that you could help with. Yes, it may be costly in time, or just having to apologize that you'd not made contact sooner. But hopefully, it will open up the way for a greater demonstration of love, as Jesus talked about in our verse of the year. Love one another as I love you. This is our challenge. This is just a bit about love, about, about how we are living. 
understanding Jesus' love. I would like to finish sharing a video, an advertising that I watched here when I just arrived in 2018. It was interesting. And every time that I watch this advertisement, my heart is melt melting sometimes like this because of the truth that is there. Please, watch with me. Pay attention in the advertising of one minute. And let's talk after about this. Sorry. Mwah, come on. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Can I about chocolate, please? It's for my mom. Change. Happy birthday, Mum. <gasps> Thank you. There's a glass and a half in everyone. As we get old, we get soft. <laughs> and I'm here holding to don't cry. Did you got it? Did you understand the advertise? How valid were those small things for that little girl? It was what she had of most valuable. But she was looking to her mom. She was not thinking about her. She was ready to give for love the things that were most important to them because of love. Yes, love is costly. How much are you keen to give because of love? Ruth had no idea how her attitude and love for Naomi would have consequences for their lives much less how important that moment was in fulfilling God's perfect plan for the redemption of the fallen man and woman. I hope you can reflect on what we hear today and that the Lord will fill your heart with that unique love which only He can give to us. May the Lord the loving God bless us.